1: All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. I would be Matt or Matlana. I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. All right, so before we talk about the uh, broadcaster, Brad Nessler, we all got into this business because we had a love for sports. What kind of athlete were you growing up?
2: Um, fair. Pretty good at football. Uh, pretty good at baseball. Too short for basketball. Uh, was, was the captain of my football team in high school, so I'm, I don't know if that makes me uh, just a captain or if I was decent. But I think I was okay. When did <laughs> I you... actually think I got better when I got to college, even though it was just intramural ball. I, I didn't care, you know. I just uh, went for it.
1: <laughs> so let me ask you this. When did it transition from I know I can't do this? It's everybody's love to, you know, the idea of playing center field or small forward or the quarterback. When did that go from I, I can't do that to I want to work in sports?
2: 510 and, and, and that's pretty much it I, I guess I'm never going to be a center in the in the NBA and uh, I think I'm too short to do anything else and um, yeah I, I think uh, you know a lot of us you, you get to the point where you just go I, I if I was a baseball player this wouldn't matter but when football was my first love and you know you're playing outside linebacker in high school and you're five ten hundred and 70 pounds it's uh the writing sort of on the wall. Actually when I got to uh, when I got to what is now Minnesota State Mankato State, they had actually stopped the football program for a year for some reason and they recreated it as a club team and they've now since gone back to division 2 and they're actually top 2 or 3 in the country but um uh, got uh, got asked to walk on on the club team and and I said no I'm already I'm already too busy Coach Cota because by that time I was into the radio deal so gave it up right there.
1: What was the first radio experience for you?
2: Um, I did play by play. Uh, I, I went to uh, college on, on one of these kind of like recruiting type things on what do you want to be. And uh, when I went to uh, Mankato State at the time, they had a really good radio program, pretty good TV too, but the radio was exceptional. And so I went for a weekend, and I actually called a couple of innings of play-by-play when I was 17. So that would have been the first experience. And uh, I got my feet wet doing that. And then, I you know, when I got to college, as soon as I – uh, got there, got with the radio station, and started doing play-by-play of baseball and um, some hockey, uh, basketball. I got kind of a break. I think it was the first or second year I was there. I was probably 19 and the local radio station that did the basketball games which was division two college basketball went on strike and so their only other alternative was to have the college campus station uh, do the play-by-play of the basketball so I got a really good season of basketball in when I was right around 19 I guess
1: so how good or not were you
2: thought i was um <laughs> you know you're kind of like you're kind of like a, a parrot of everybody that you grew up with so you have a little bit of this guy a little bit of that guy uh i, I you know you just sort of imitate what you've heard and um spit it back out and then you create your own, st- own style as you go but you know all the guys i looked up to i just adored and you know i would uh i would even when I was 12 years old, you know, we'd sit around, and if we were playing ball, I was usually doing play-by-play play while we were playing. So you could never shut me up, and they were like, save your energy. You know, maybe you'll run faster if you weren't talking all the time. <laughs> so that's kind of how it all started.
1: So tell me, where is the area between the time when you leave Minnesota and you're 19 and 20 doing that to the point where you come to Atlanta and start working with Georgia Tech? What's the area in between? What are the jobs?
2: Um, there was one more uh, – well, there was two radio jobs. I got. A- I went to uh, work for a station when I was twenty and I was trying to hustle through college. I went through college like three and a third years. I was so excited to get out in the world, you know. I was like, I gotta get going. I, I if I could start all over, I'd take about five years to go through college. I'd ex- I'd love that to do that again and uh and not shorten it up so much. Um but anyway I I got a weekend gig uh doing radio and the following week they hired me full time to do an afternoon drive shift or a whole afternoon, noon to six. And um uh, so I was going to school in the morning, uh, working until 6 at night, and then I would do high school games, high school football games on Friday night for like 50 bucks, you know. It was big money. It was beer money, Matt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, So I did that and just uh, kind of hustled my way through college. And, and um, you know, there was one more radio job in Minnesota. And then I started doing some things with uh, the local station that did the Falcons. They had an NFL coast-to-coast show that was the Falcons pregame show, and I was kind of the vice. Viking connection, because the Vikings training camp was in Mankato, and and I would go to the games and and do these little two-minute reports for their pregame show, and uh, then WGST here in Atlanta said, hey, man, you ever consider coming down here and working at an all-news and sports station? And I'm like, uh, yeah, where do I sign up? So that's kind of how it all worked.
1: So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff House, the big renovations are going on, so it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678-678. 935-6901. 935-6901. Peachwood floor coverings, big company quality, small company services.
2: Home field advantage exists in baseball. Insurance too. Your local Trusted Choice independent insurance agents are active members of your community. They'll always have your back. Find a local auto, home, or business insurance agent at trustedchoice.com.
1: Folks, you just heard from Smoltzy, and you heard it from me as well. Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are my trusted choice for insurance agents. They've been my agent for a long time, and they serve all of Metro Atlanta. To get up to 10 auto insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes, visit Rhodes-Group.com slash today. That's Rhodes-Group.com slash It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find? A craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salads, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. The DailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the Daily Draft. It's interesting. Uh, talking to different, you know, Ernie Johnson was on the show and said the same. And Steve Holman, who does the Hawks, who you know. and. Yeah chris morton's it all said we didn't care what we made we wanted our foot in the door it was what we wanted to do we were 20 22 you didn't have responsibilities like you said beer money and just survival money how great looking back was that time of your life
2: was really fun you know it was, it was uh, I was newly married too so you know Nancy and I are 22 or whatever at the time and uh we get the offer from Atlanta and I think I took a pay cut to come down here, to be honest with you because I remember going into my boss in Minnesota and saying hey hey Paul I got this offer to do this and he goes uh, that's what you want to do and what you've always wanted to do and I said yeah and he said you know I'd love to try to bribe you to stay here but go for it and so you know we loaded up a U-Haul and and uh through all our clothes and stuff in my car, my wife's car, and our cat Butkus, and I pulled a pickup truck behind the U-Haul, and and we moved down here, and we're scared to death, you know, because we stayed in Tower Place uh, in Buckhead for the first two or three days, so we could find an apartment, and I came down here like sight unseen, you know, I got hired over the phone, so when we got down here, it was like, wow, there's a million people in Atlanta. You know, that was (laughs) 1980. Now there's five and a half or whatever it is. But it was exciting. It was scary as heck. Um, You know, I think for a while I was homesick, and I was kind of like, oh, man, I want to go back and and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, you just kind of stick it out and and then really – There was a lot of hours in there. I I think I had Monday afternoons off or something like that. That's the only time I could see my wife. And we'd go to, like, Crystal, you know, for dinner. I mean, that was our big deal. And we'd save our money to maybe go to Red Lobster, like, once every three months. So, yeah, I wasn't making a lot of change. But, um, you know, you kind of hang in there and and do it until you do, I guess.
1: Yeah, the glorious media business that everybody sees. Um, Right. So before I ask you about the the jobs at, at GST, what did you know about Atlanta, if anything, before you came down?
2: Almost nothing went through the airport. I think, on our way to our honeymoon or something like that. And, um, you know, that there wasn't there wasn't all the kind of, well, I'll just Google this and see what Buckhead means or, you know, whatever. You kind of just, you just sort of reacted to, uh, there, there was two places, for some reason, there was two places we thought we wanted to move, and it was Dallas or Atlanta. And I had actually had an interview uh, at the Dallas radio station earlier, and, and it was for, I think it was for an NBA Mavericks gig or something. And, you know, I, I guess I didn't pass the muster on that thing. I don't know, but um, you just kind of you know dive in the deep end. We I didn't worry it at, at that age. You just have no inhibitions. You just go. Oh man, let's go for it. And uh, you know we. We moved, and when we pulled out of my parents' driveway, uh, they were just like, wow, they're really doing this. And I think it was my brother's birthday the same day. And my dad waited about five minutes, and he said, we have to go help them. And so he and my mom jumped in the car, and by the time they got to the interstate, they couldn't, they couldn't catch us or couldn't find us or whatever because they were thinking, these two kids can't do this by themselves, man. They can't move down there to a place they've never been and know nothing about. But uh, it all worked out pretty well.
1: So you get down to Atlanta, and you said WGST at the time. What were the jobs? Because I'm assuming there were many that they wanted you to do.
2: John Lauer ran the place, and he's the most awesome boss maybe to this date I've ever had. But uh, his general manager was Mike Wheeler, and Mike was – he would beat you up, man. He just wanted everything done, and he wanted it done to perfection, and he wanted it done yesterday. And uh, and literally I went on the air, and I was doing just, you know, afternoon drive sports, the, the you know, 20 and 50 or whatever, and little one-minute reports here and there and that type of thing. And then I did a nighttime talk show, and I had no experience in that at all. And it was from – Uh, you know, like 9.30 to midnight. That was a lot of time, and I didn't have a co-host. And uh, I had a producer, Miller Pope, who helped me out a lot, uh, unbelievably, because he knew... He knew Georgia, he knew Atlanta, um, and that helped a lot. But I would go on the air, and and people tried to give me sort of a break at night because we took a lot of calls. We were just doing scores and everything off the old type ticker, you know, the way you got the old scores. It was, it was, you know, back in 1980, it was archaic compared to now. Everybody can just look at their phone and know immediately what the score is. But that time, if you're driving around town, you really don't know what the score of games are. You have no way of finding out. Um, So we did a lot of scores, we did a lot of interviews, we took a lot of phone calls and, uh, you know, the, the people were gracious enough to give me about a one-week grace period, and then they were like, uh, Brian, you know, I won't tell you something. It's not Clemson. It's Clemson, son. Put a P in there. So, you know, from that point on, I always said Clemson a little different than most people did, and, or most people from the North did, I guess. And um, So anyway, it was it was learning on the fly and uh, trying to get as much help from people as I could and, and uh, you know, making bonds and relationships and, and And, uh, you know, at that time it was Dwayne Morrison was the coach at Georgia Tech, and they were horrible. Um, I did uh, the games with Al Seraldo and for a while I did color, and then we split it. We did half and half play-by-play, first half, and I'd do uh, color in the second half. And they were awful. Uh, Brooke steppy was like the only bright spot they had, and that's because he could shoot, but they had nothing else. And then Bobby Kremens came in. It changed the whole dynamic of going to a game at Georgia Tech, and it changed the whole dynamic of, of doing the games on radio because people actually listened. They actually came to uh, you know, Alexander Memorial Coliseum in, and stood outside and waited to get in. So, I mean, uh, you know, that first year for basketball for me was not a good thing. There was nobody in the stands, and they had paper bags over their head and the whole thing. It was a great year, though, for uh, Georgia. I mean, in 1980, they won the national championship, and the Falcons go to the playoffs, and I'm like, there's nothing to this, man. This yeah. is awesome. And then I had to wait several more years for all that to happen. So.
1: Every, every Atlanta sports fan listening can uh, can recognize that and yep. feel that. Well, it, Brad, there was, a, unfortunately, a lot more bad teams than good throughout the time but I think the thing that stuck out as you mentioned with the broadcasters we had you you got to work with Al Seraldo you called Falcon Games Larry right. Munson's doing Georgia John yep. Sterling and, and eventually Steve Holman with the Hawks Skip right. and Pete and Ernie with the Braves what, was there a relationship with it's a small town comparatively speaking to today what was the relationship you had with some of those guys
2: oh one, you know, Steve and I worked together um, at, at WGST, and and the first year that I did the Falcons, or several years that I did the Falcons, he was involved with the broadcast too. Um, and so, you know, we were pretty young together, and and you know, living the dream, and you know, traveling on the Falcons charter and all that. So, I mean, we had a blast. And then I, when I got to know, uh, you know, Skip and those guys, and and you know, I got the Falcons job, and they're doing the Braves. You know, used to meet up down on Peachtree at Harrison's, you know. <laughs> And, and throw a few back, and, and uh, so there was that kind of camaraderie with everybody. So, yeah, everybody appreciated, I think, everybody's work. Uh, you mentioned John Sterling. I just heard from John about a month ago. It was crazy because I know he took a couple of games off for the Yankees, and I know he's like 80 or whatever, and I called him. I said, you slacker, you're taking a week off, you know, and so uh, he called me back and left me a voicemail. So it's amazing how you keep in touch with a lot of those guys, and I wish a lot of them, obviously, were still with us because – good time together.
1: Talk to me about Al Seraldo, because Munson certainly gets a ton of talk. Al was as good as it uh, has ever been, and I, I just don't know that he gets the same amount of talk that maybe he should.
2: would have been some of those a little more magical seasons maybe but you know he took me under his wing as soon as i got down here and uh tried to show me the ropes and take me out to lunch at uh, i don't know what was called aunt fanny's cabin or something it was most southern thing i'd ever seen in my life and and um you know he was he was also a sales guy at wgst so you'd go back there and if i wanted to talk talk sports with him, I'd walk back, and he had the very back office, and his desk to this day looks a lot like mine does. I mean, I know where everything is, but I'd be hard-pressed to find a pen because it is such a mess, and that's the way Al was, but he knew where everything was, and uh, so you know, when when uh, we worked together, it was hilarious because those first years, we didn't even have headsets. We had these things that Al created. They, they were uh, handheld microphones, and I don't know how he did it, but somebody made things out of hangers just regular hangers that you'd hang a shirt on and we wrapped them around our neck and then we clipped the microphone into this hanger and we didn't wear headsets at all because there were nobody at the games there was nobody at the game so I could actually hear Al talking to me right next to me whereas you know when you got ten thousand people in there it's a little bit different when they're cheering so we had the most archaic equipment and i used to laugh about that and i still have one of the really really old microphones in my office i'm looking at it right now and uh, god bless al he was a beauty yeah.
1: so you move into the falcon broadcast booth and if i have my years right 1982 who were you working with and tell me about that whole dynamic then
2: yeah like uh, steve did uh, the pregame steve holman did all the pregame we had like uh, the first year John Lauer came up with this idea that we would have rotating analysts. And um, it was kind of cool because you got a little taste of a lot of different people. Um, we had Norm Van Brocklin uh, for one of our preseason games. So the Dutchman, that was, that was an experience. Uh, had Marty Glickman when we did a, a Giants game. And that was cool because Marty was one of the great play-by-play voices, uh, you know, and kind of created one of the first guys that ever did play-by-play on TV, and so he had pointers for me. You know, at the time, I'm 25 and I'm trying to soak up everything from everybody. Um, you know, and some of the broadcasts were better than others. Some of the games were better than others. And then we got into a little bit more of a regular routine. You know, Ken Burrow came on board and, and uh, did color with us, and, and Bobby Harper was with us uh, And when we got to WSB as our pregame and halftime guy, and so the three of us, the three of me he goes we uh, that was a really really fun time a lot of times we didn't we didn't get until it was almost kickoff but we we, uh, we carried it out by by noon or one o'clock on uh, Sunday
1: and sadly those teams weren't very good I mean 82 makes the playoffs if memory serves after that it was not a bunch of good teams what was the what was the environment around Swanee at the time where the Falcons were compared to let's say today you know the NFL's a much bigger animal but what was it like on a daily basis
2: uh, that part was really too. You know, it was the Smiths that owned it then. It was in Swanney, not Flower Branch. Uh, we were welcome. I walked the halls without you know I never got stopped it was just like wherever you wanted to go I knew all the administrative assistants all the secretaries um, had fun with them you know I went out to practice state of practice it wasn't like a five minute viewing if I wanted to stand out there all day I did Um, you know one year I did the conditioning run with them because I wanted to see in you know July how hot it was when you had to run that far and of course I wasn't as big as some of those guys and I was like how do 300 pounders do this stuff you know Um, so we had a lot of we had a lot of fun doing it that way, and as I said, traveled with the team, ate with the team. Um, you know, it, that part was fun to be. You felt like you're part of the, the family, uh, and I, I don't know that it's that way now. to have to ask Arch and Wes and those guys, uh, but I know it's a lot more restrictive about who gets where when you're going up the Flowery Branch and all that, and it's uh, it's a little different, I think, than it was back in the '80s.
1: Yeah, a lot more separation to be sure. Yeah. Um, so before you make the jump to national at CBS. Did you go back to Minnesota for a couple of years?
2: I did. When I was doing uh, the Falcons, after I'd done that for maybe three years, uh, the Raycom Jefferson Pilot people called me. And so I started doing ACC regional games uh, on Saturday on TV and then did the Falcons on Sunday. And then when I – I was—I just basically told WSB, you know, I'm resigning because uh, I'm going into TV full-time. And uh, I know the people there said, <laughs> wow, you must really think you're good at this. And in the meantime, the Vikings called me and uh, wanted me to do the play-by-play for the Vikings on radio. And I said, well, I will, but I'm not moving back up there. And Mike Lynn went behind my back and called my wife and said, uh, "We'll get you a house and everything. We want you to be here full time." And I said, "No, I'll do the games, but I'm not. I'm not doing that." So I continued to do the ACC TV games on the. Uh Thursday, Saturday, beg your pardon, and got to Minnesota in time to do a bunch of commercials at WCCO and then do the Vikings games, and I did that for a couple years, and then uh, CBS called right in the middle, kind of the end of the football season, around I think 89, somewhere in there, and said, hey, how would you like to do some basketball, um, CBS basketball on TV, and I'm like, yeah, I do, let's do this. And that's how I got to CBS the first time.
1: So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff House, the big renovations are going on. So it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy. You want the process done quickly and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678-935-6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at rose-group.com. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend, Sean Daly. That's get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, Knock on wood. And all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're gonna to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're gonna find? A craft beer bar, self-serve taps, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie size screen with a front row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salads, sandwiches. Flatbreads, uh, you name it—they have everything to find. Everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night or a date night. The DailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights, like trivia night, kids eat free night, and more. The DailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the Daily Draft. So you're still at that point. I mean, you know, you're still what? 30 33 34 and now it's CBS I mean take me through the phone call how kind of absurd was it I mean I, it's what you want but when that happens that's got to be the I mean the realization of a dream right there
2: it is you know I was I was in the Finishing out the second year of my Vikings deal, I had sort of a year-to-year deal with uh, Raycom and Jefferson Pilot, but that was renewable every year. Jimmy Rayburn was running the place and did right up until they dispersed into the ACC network that we have now. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was just. Kind of thinking, this is great. I'm doing my home state team at that time. I loved doing the Falcons, but I grew up a Viking fan. My parents were so excited. My dad, to the day he died, thought it was cooler that I was the voice of the Vikings than when I got to CBS. He's like, that's my kid right there, you know? So uh, he loved that. My brother loved that. Um, and so you get a call and it's Ted Shaker and he says uh, we want you to come to CBS and kind of a tryout thing and so we tried it out and and then you have to worry about it. well I got a year left on my contract on this deal so I had to go to WCCO and say listen uh, you know they're inviting me to do both college and pro football on TV and the NCAA tournament and, and they're like yeah you got to go do that but we got to figure this out so we can <laughs> figure out what we already paid you what you owe us back or whatever <laughs> it's uh, so anyway I had had to go through all that stuff but yeah I'm, I'm 30 i guess 32 at the time and and that was that was pretty amazing because when you got to last cbs seminar uh, all of a sudden all the guys that you grew up uh either emulating or thinking oh my god i'll never even meet this guy all of a sudden they're in the same room at the party and, and you're like oh boy now what do i say to this guy so there was a There's a story I always tell, and I told it until Pat Someril passed away. Pat was always my favorite. And uh, when I was 13, I was at a Vikings game with my dad and a couple of his buddies. And it was like 13 below. It was one of those Saturday games in December, and they were playing the Bears. And I went to the souvenir stand, and I ran into Pat Summerall, and he was buying stocking caps for he and Tom Brookshire. And so I walked up to him, and I said, uh, uh, Mr. Summerall, I'm Brad Nestler." And he said, how are you doing, kid? And I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your job someday. And he said, good luck with that. <laughs> so when I got to CVS, we went to this party, and here's here's Pat Summer on John Madden, you know, and everybody has to get up and say things, and you do a few uh, wild lines for different stations around the country, and so you've got the CBS blazer on and the whole thing, and so we're at the party and I'm uh, I finally, I'm about two beers in, and I walk up and I go, hey, Pat, you remember a little fat kid about 12 years old that walked up to you at Metropolitan Stadium and said, I was going to take your job, and he goes, actually, I do, and I said, that was me, and he goes, well, you're getting closer, kid. <laughs> so, so, I mean, when you go into a room with those kids, kind of guy that's like okay i either i either belong or i don't so i better jump in the deep end
1: that's a great story um who did you get paired with you remember both college and nfl for the first uh go round
2: uh yeah the first college year was, uh, and pro was dan Jiggets, who was an offensive lineman for the bears sure. on their championship team and he took up most of the booth jigs was <laughs> he's a funny guy we had a lot of fun uh and then there were times back then Uh, when Pat would go to do the U.S. Open, Vern would go Uh, with John Madden, and they would put me with Dan Fouts. And so Foutsy and I did games together. And then the second year I was there before I went to ESPN, it was kind of like in college it was um, kind of a rotating basis. I worked with Dan Jiggetts. I worked with Randy Cross. Um, And then when I did NFL games, it was I worked with Hank Stram. Uh, He was a riot. Um, I I did the last game that Merlin Olsen ever did. I'm kind of looking around my office because there's all these different guys I worked with. That were, uh, everybody was a unique personality, especially guys like Hank. I mean, I used to do the uh, Monday Night Radio when Jack Buck would go to do the World Series. And so I did uh, what is now Westwood One, I guess, but I used to do CBS Radio Monday Night games with Hank. We did a game one time at Arrowhead Stadium, and it was like walking with Elvis, man. It was unbelievable. (laughs) And he couldn't see anything. You know, he had terrible eyesight. And by the time I did uh, a game with him on TV, I walked into the booth and had one of these great big box TVs, and they had a riser that was about a foot high, because Hank wasn't that tall either. And so I walked in, and I said to everybody that was putting out all the equipment together, I said, what the hell's that TV doing here? i have taken up half the booth. And he said, well, that's for Hank. And so Hank comes in, and he's also got a spotter board that's like the size of my desk with gigantic letters and numbers. And I go, really, Hank? Yeah, boys, yeah, boys. i got to see what I'm doing, boys. i got to see what I'm doing, you know? So... Uh yeah, everybody was a unique personality but I worked with a lot of different guys and uh you know it was a lot of fun
1: I love it uh so was the move to ESPN a no brainer or was it a difficult choice when you left CBS
2: um it wasn't a no brainer because just the money to be honest with you it wasn't that I I didn't love CBS, and um, uh, some of the guys, in fact, the producer I have now, Craig Silver, is a producer I had then, so he's been there that long in that position, and uh, when when he left, he said, man, we're, we're making a mistake here. And I said, well, uh, you know, that's not my choice. I, I got to negotiate what I got to negotiate. And ESPN came along and, uh, you know, it was a better offer money wise and all that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, 24 years later, I turn around and, and, uh, the offer was better going back to where I started. And they used that on me. They were like, we want you to come home and, and do games as long as you want to do them here. And I was like, well, that's a pretty good offer. And, uh, you know, the SEC gig and, and all of that uh, was something that I always looked at and said, if I ever get a chance, that would be, that would be a good one.
1: What was uh, ESPN like? I mean, you're not in Bristol, per se, a lot, or maybe you are. What was the culture like? How different was it? And what were your experiences when you got there as opposed to CBS and other places?
2: I think when I first got there um, it, it felt more kind of family-like and it grew so quickly that um, it, you know it couldn't help but start feeling not that way more like this is business this is uh, you know and I mean, I got to the top of the food chain there, and and that was great, but I went through so many different bosses. I ran into one last week at the Florida-Georgia game who was a guy that I really thought was great, uh, Mark Shapiro. When he was there, he was a very dynamic guy. Um, but that part, that that kept changing. And you, you'd get one that kind of like, you know, you liked them or they liked you, and then you get one that oh, I don't, I'm not crazy about him and I don't think he's crazy about me. So that whole rotation business, you know, got to be kind of, kind of old i think and and now i think everybody that works there realizes it's not just espn it's espn2 espnu espn deportes and it goes on and on and on espn plus um so it's you know it's a factory that i don't think it was it wasn't old enough when i first got there to have that kind of feel and i don't know how people that work there you have to ask somebody that works there now but um you know the, the going back to cbs is it's just, it's a lot smaller and so when you go to meetings or you get together with bosses it's like there's a handful of them you have to worry about not not 40 of them
1: right you've had the uh the cool opportunity to be able to call uh, call different sports certainly college basketball nba college football is there one that is more of a love than the others
2: yeah i think um i think it's still football for me matt you know um It's just I get into it on Monday morning and I don't stop preparing until 3.30 Saturday afternoon. And, and, you know, that part, a lot of people think that would be tedious and and all that. And I guess it is, but it's kind of like coaches. It's the thrill of putting a game plan together and then see it come to fruition when you get with your crew. Our crew is really tight, you know. Uh, A lot of people don't know how many we have, but I think last year on our Army-Navy game, we might have had 90 people on our crew, something like that. Um, And so... You know, you you get together and you're together a lot. You're together with your crew as much as you are with your family over that. You know, you spend half the week with your crew and half the week at home with your family. So you got two sets of family and, and, you know, one's – one's a lot more important than the other one, but when you get with the crew family, uh, they're pretty special, too. So I think I think the teamwork part of it in football, uh, to answer your question about football, basketball, whatever, I think the teamwork part in football is a lot bigger deal because of the size and the magnitude of what you're putting together. Basketball, I can get ready for a basketball game in, in a day. Um, you know, when I do double headers or, or the first round of the tournament and it's four games in, in a day, that's, that's a whole different story. That takes a long time to put together but you're not worried about 150 people you're worried about you know maybe 15 if you go down the bench a little bit for both teams and you know for the most part you know the coaches and you've known them forever Um, and so that part's easier to prepare for and your crews change on basketball so you're not always with the same people you're not always with the same analysts so that's got a little different feel I think if you were with the same guys all the time I, I might be even Steven and even when football's done when i get to hoops and people ask me the question i go well i'm doing the ncaa tournament it's pretty cool so it depends on what month you ask me but for the most part i would say football
1: so talk to me about those uh, relationships with coaches both basketball and football when you have those thursday or friday sit-downs before games have some of them been uncomfortable or some of them just like you know it's, it's built a long-term relationship you have more freedom to ask questions what are those uh, scenarios like
2: You know, the more you do a certain team, and it usually means they're good, or we probably wouldn't be doing them so often, Um, the mutual respect, or at least the the, uh, trust factor is there. You know, people, I think, assume because of what they think they know about Nick Saban that Nick would be, you know, kind of like a hard-ass guy to be around in a meeting. And, I mean, he's still a hard guy, but... Uh, he's one of the best ones in our meetings because he's known us I've known him since you know back in Michigan State and that type of thing and so is Gary and you know now we do him five or six times a year it's like it's like old school sometimes we talk about that kind of thing and we spend more time talking about the old days or something than what's necessarily going on on saturday um i always tell the story on him though is when he went to the pros and i was at cbs the first time and and doing some nfl i I did a game when belichick was the head coach of the browns and nick was his defensive coordinator and uh, I went into those meetings, and we did Nick first, and then we did Belichick, and I came out and I looked at the crew that I was with, and I said, I might be in the wrong line of work. And they go, <laughs> what? And I go, well, we didn't get anything out of either one of those two. So I burn on Nick about that. that he, he wouldn't say boo, or he'd say what Bill say. You know, uh, Well, now it's what would Nick say. That's what his coordinators look at. That makes perfect but sense. That- yeah, but then there's you know those guys that I mean you know Mac Brown. It was always fun to do that because uh, his wife Sally, my wife Nancy, well, we're all friends, and so we would do a Texas game, we'd go down a day early and we got to dinner with them, and then you know the next day I'm in the meeting, and it's kind of weird because you're friends and uh, Brett Bielema, uh good friends with him and and his wife. Uh, that came through Barry Alvarez. I mean, we've been in each other's golf tournaments for so many years, you know, so you kind of go into those meetings, and one thing is said in the meeting. And, And then he kind of winks at you and says, come up to the suite later and we'll, you know, have a diet beverage. And so all of a sudden it's midnight and it's a whole different meeting. So some of those guys, you have have one meeting with the, (laughs) kind of with the crew and then you have another meeting later in their, in their hotel suite.
1: Make for a good book one day. Um, Talk to me about full circle coming back to CBS. Did you ever think that was an opportunity that would open itself up again? And how did it happen?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I, always kind of looked at that. I thought at some point, you know, um, you know, Vern couldn't do it forever. And, uh, you know, CBS came to me and, and flew me up and said, "We just want to talk to you about something. I'm like, okay, like I want to go to New York, but I'll, I'll come up. And, uh, so we went into Sean McManus office and, and Sean and, and all the guys were sitting on these really tall chairs and I was sitting on this really low couch and I go, you guys just stuck me like go three feet below you already. This is not good. You know, <laughs> and they go, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about a couple of years down the line. We want Vern to have, you know, his uh, kind of like going away year party. And, um, Uh, We want him to get in all the accolades that all the schools are going to give him and all of that. And I'm like, well, I'm ready to come over right now. But I would never undercut Vern because we've been friends for 30-some years. And they said, well, that's good because uh, he's going to get his day in the sun and his year in the sun. And so at that point I was nearing the end of my deal with uh, ESPN, and the timing was – pretty much perfect so i just finished off my last year of my contract and um I moved moved back to cbs
1: do you uh foresee yourself being one of the uh, guys who wants to be in the booth until he's months in vince scully age like do you love it that much that age doesn't matter
2: i love it that much matt but i don't know if i'll do it that long um i i don't want to i don't want to hit the point where uh all of a sudden my fastball is going about you know 60 miles an hour instead of 90 something. I don't even know what it's down to now, but I think I'll know when it's time. Um, But as far as the love factor part of it, uh, I, you know, I like doing this more than I like doing anything else. People go, well, why don't you quit when you're 65 or whatever? And I go, well, because I don't have a hobby that I like as much as my job, if that makes sense. No, and, it does. <laughs> you know, it's it's like one of those things, is like I, um, other than hanging out with my wife and my daughter and my friends just goofing, but you can only goof so long, you know. Um, I, I couldn't go golfing every day. I don't golf that well and so that's out. I got a lake house. I don't want to fish every day, so that's out um the thing i like to do is what i'm doing and so as long as i do it well i think i'll i'll keep on doing it because it's it keep my my wife keeps saying that she saw that mule movie with uh with clint eastwood and sure. he uses a line don't let the old man in well this this job doesn't let the old man in for me because i'm working with guys that are half my age my crew's unbelievable uh they keep me young um gary keeps me laughing i think studying this much keeps me sharp you know so um i'm I'm doing what i love to do so i'm gonna do it until i'm either not good at it or i don't love it anymore
1: before we wrap up tell me about the uh, personal side of brad nessler the the husband the father the guy who we don't see you know on the uh, saturday afternoon kickoff what is brad like away from the uh the game
2: I think I'm a pretty good husband. I've been married 41 years, or it's going to be in a couple weeks. So um, we just uh, redid our vows a year ago at a party. It was a pretty good party. So she's still... The, the coolest woman I ever met and the prettiest one I ever met so um, she uh, she runs the ship around here both our <laughs> ships she, she's she takes care of the lake house and this house and everything else that goes on around here and uh, my daughter's uh, loving my life you know she's working with the SPN and so she's in the business we get to she talks to her mom about personal stuff she talks about me about business stuff and um, so she's a she's a cool girl um, young lady I should say so I think I'm a pretty good husband pretty good dad that's all we got it's just the three of us so uh we just we just got together uh downtown sunday night and had a blast and got home a lot later than i was supposed to but uh, (laughs) other than that i don't know i'm probably boring
1: no it's a it's a a great story brad in this city now four decades and uh, one of the great voices and personalities thanks for taking the time with us we appreciate the stories great stuff and uh continued success
2: it was fun to be with you matt thanks a lot man
1: Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Matlana. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats, hit street, seat, gangsters roaming and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta
0: where the players play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats, hit street, seat,
1: Uh
0: The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money and breathe out or move
1: there's biking boating arcade games hiking nearby golfing or fly through the new fins up water park thrills chills twists and turns this could be you camp margaritaville at lanier islands an easy one hour drive from atlanta book your stay today at camp margaritaville lanier islands.com